limiting my trades. <laughs> my, my stocks. All right, yeah, we get it. You trade stocks. Don't build your personality my around it. Don't, don't. Just don't. My stocks. Don't. Look, stonks. Look, he's going to build his personality around it for the next couple it's weeks. And then, he and then I'll else. be done. And like then Bitcoin. I'll be done. <laughs> Thank you. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, that up. was Yeah, no, I know. No, I think I think I think America fucked up. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Mark's here. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis, Stonk Boy. Stonk Boy? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Dying on the inside, please don't. Please, I'm dead on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, so tonight we're talking about season five of the hit Amazon Prime TV show, The Expanse. Um, If you don't know what The Expanse is at this point, honey, I don't know what to do for you. Um, This is season five. And uh, this is a show near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, the Expanse, if you don't know, is based on the uh, sh- uh, the book series The Expanse by James S. A. Corey, which is a what do you call it when it's two people have the same name? S- pseudonym. I think it's still just a pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah, pseudonym. Um, nom de plume. Yeah. Nom de plume, uh, which is so uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. Are the two authors of that? Uh, the show was developed though by Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby. Um, Seems Hawk. Yeah, I thought it was. You know, I thought it was Naren Shankar. No, no, that's the showrunner. Oh, okay, got it. Um, so uh, Hawk Otsby, and Mark Fergus do everything together. They did stuff like uh, Children of Men. They've done Iron Man, um, Cowboys and Aliens, stuff like that. Um, basically, everything I've seen that they've done, I've actually enjoyed. So. Um, the show stars uh, Stephen Strait, Dominic Tipper, Wes, uh, I think it's Chatham. Wes Chatham uh, also has, uh, there's so many people that I don't know, at season five, I don't know what the fuck to do at this point. Uh, Share Agdishlu, um, Frankie Adams, Kara G, big one, love her. Uh, and I'm going to point him out now. Um, Keon Alexander, who plays Marco Inaros, because love him. Um, yeah, that basically, uh, Chad L. Coleman, I mean, that's another big one for you. Uh, we'll get around to other stuff later, but uh, there you go. That's uh, basically what I want to give for you for season five. I don't have a budget for you on season five. I know it's a lot more than season four and three and two and one, but uh, yeah, there you go. Ben, what is season five about? After the events on Illus, Vassarallo's election loss, the death of Clace Ashford, and the rise of Marco Inaros, the system is on the edge of a knife. The crew of the Rosinante split once again to complete their own side quests. Naomi searches for her son. Amos returns to Earth to settle the affairs of his late, mother-like figure. 
Alex returns to Mars to patch things up with his family, and Holden stays on Tycho to assist Fred Johnson with growing tensions in the belt. Everyone begins to uncover pieces of Anaros' master plan, but no one gets the full picture until it's too late. Earth is attacked with three meteors, and chaos breaks out in the system. It's, it's the expense. The expense. <laughs> Damn it! I missed it. Sorry, you missed waited the train. so long. I was like, I guess I just have to do it. Train. <laughs> uh, perfect. Thank you very much, boys. They did it. They almost. did season five. I'm just, wait. What do you mean almost? Well, may I just say that this may be my favorite season. This may be my favorite season entirely. That's completely valid. I think I told you guys. I think it's on record saying that book five is my favorite book, yeah. which is what this season is based off of. And I think you guys know why now. Because of Marco? all the character development that goes on. Oh. Marco's a great villain. Um, oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Absolutely. I was I excited really... when they... Sorry. No, go ahead, Mark. I really enjoyed the, the actor they chose. He was outstanding. I think... What one of my biggest my biggest complaints, my only complaint really with this season, is a similar complaint I've had in other seasons, which is just that it, it needed one more episode. That season finale was just way too rushed. It was mm-hmm. it. Th- th- I, I'm we're gonna jump straight to it. Uh, spoilers, obviously. You idiots. Why are you still listening to this? If you haven't watched the season, go away. Come back. We want you, but go listen. Go watch the show. All right. Um, Alex's death, I rewound like five times because I I, I like I was like, what? Like, you're just going to you're going to do my boy Alex like that? Like, yeah. it was dirty. It was unearned. And I was very upset. Like, you could tell me, like, it, you could you could write a story that he strokes out due to a, a high G burn. That's fine. But it was just so, like, it just pittered out. And I guess that that may be an artistic decision. But, like, it was unearned. It, 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 it was not unearned. It was uh, not worthy of Alex Kamal. I was very upset with it other than that i think i have no complaints but every but that's the only one that i'm really really have issue with i uh as soon as i saw that i messaged colin and i was just like it's funny that you can pinpoint the exact moment in production that um that cast was uh canceled it's it's just like you can just pinpoint exactly (laughs) at that point right there right there (laughs) oh i forgot he's a jerk isn't he Oh yeah, yeah they, he, that's why they uh, killed he, him off. I'm mm-hmm, pretty sure yeah. is because he uh, they kicked him off the production because. Oh, does he, he not die in the books? No. Interesting. Yeah, completely no, killed him off because of just he was just a uh, I don't know a bad person. So let's yeah, just that's best say that. that. Yeah. Um, that's right. Had, I forgot uh, about that. <clears throat> there was actually a swap guru because um, that happens to another character in the book. The uh, stroking out from. Yeah, can I spoil book stuff that like at this point doesn't matter? The same kind of uh, the end result is the same, but they kind of just did it in a different order. Yeah, books are inferior. It's fine. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. Uh, so, uh, Fred does not die from assassination. He dies by stroking out because of a high G burn during combat with Marco Naros. Interesting. I figured yeah. that wasn't the way he died when I got spoilers in my Google feed. Okay. Why um, they killed Fred Johnson. Thanks, Google. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he had to die. It's okay. No, I, I, his he death needs to is be fine. the martyr. Um, they, they really waste no time with the spoilers. Like, it's not even, you know, clickbaity stuff like, uh, oh, see whose character dies in the latest episode of The Mandalorian. It's just like, such and such in The Mandalorian was amazing this week on the title, and you're like, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, at, yeah. The, at this point, I'm over it. You know, like when 20 minutes after the episode is released, you're like, wow, I haven't even I'm at work still. When I saw that, I was like, oh, OK, like I don't get I don't get upset by by that shit anymore because it's just like it's just it's part of the Internet now. Like this is the like, you know, you know, two there are two truths about the Internet in 2021. One, you don't have privacy Two, spoilers are prevalent. You know, it's well, just maybe it's because I'm lame, but I managed to get through social media and like news articles without getting spoiled on shit. I mean, I don't have Facebook anymore, man. Like, it's I just know, it's man. it's a Google feed. Like, I have a Google phone. <laughs> no, no, I know. Google I just... feeds me news that it thinks would interest me, and some of those news points happen hey, to be spoilers. I have, I have the same thing. I don't know. Just tend to miss it. Maybe I just. My mind sorts through what's a spoiler beforehand and just avoids it. I don't know. Oh my god, it's that just frustrating. Product. It's like a nice sense. <laughs> like like a neurological chip that's just like, well, that's spoilers. <laughs> I, Black uh, Mirror. It, more than anything, it makes me rather than just getting used to it, it makes me want to not go through that feed, which I feel like is uh, counterproductive to them getting views. <clears throat> Fair enough. And I, I mean, well, well, look, look at this, like. Like, spoilers, and I know we're getting off topic because we have a lot to talk about, but spoilers aren't, like, a thing anymore, I think, I, I to me. At least, like, as I've gotten older, like, in the past, I would get upset about things. Like, like I got upset when, like, when I found out uh, Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. I was very upset about that. Um, what? I don't know. As I've gotten older, it's just like, oh, there's there's more important shit in my life than caring yeah. about this pop culture thing uh yeah it's it's is it a bummer yeah it's like oh that sucks but like i i've i've just accepted that it's reality at this point and that nothing is going to i i got wandavision spoiled for me now because i was mm -hmm. like this is a show that's better binged and i paid the price for that so <laughs> it is what it is yeah i um yeah no i mean snape kills dumbledore so Thank God. <laughs> I, I, just, I just joined a little uh, tag group that was just like, please, God, just read another book. <laughs> <laughs> For the love of fucking God, expand your horizons. Um, you know, uh, I mean, as long as we're talking about disappointments. Um... <laughs> Let's get them out of the <laughs> way. All right, I'll leave. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say disappointments right now. We're, we're not airing all of our grievances with the expanse. Uh, I just want to point out the fact that uh, Jared Harris, who plays Anderson Dawes, hasn't been in the show since season two when he's actually plays a role in season uh, or book five, which is based off of. And they clearly mention him all the time, like he's supposed to be in the show. But that's how it goes with contracts. He probably just isn't free to fucking film anymore it infuriates a, me yeah because I, I really like him as an actor oh, he's, he's amazing he was great he was he was the best actor on the show when he was on here 100 percent. like i think was it season two or three that he was on here one and two one and two and, and 
I, I maybe it may have. Wow, was it really that long ago? Probably back in that season one podcast, I I had mentioned like I just waited every episode for Anderson Dawes to come on screen because yeah. the dude commands the screen. It was like Shakespearean. It was awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened there. Why they couldn't get him back? I have I don't think it's probably anything to do with they couldn't afford him to come back. Um, probably just because of contract situations. Hence the reason they replaced uh, Eversorella's husband um, in season four, because the show got canceled and people just immediately started to find other work. Show got picked back up again and he wasn't free to film anymore. So That was a different dude? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember seeing her husband. It's It's been a while since I've seen the earlier seasons because I binged... I like I watched season one and then like the first two episodes of season two and I didn't watch season two and three until like a week before season four. So I just I don't I don't remember what he looked like. They replaced him with a completely guy who's like 10 years younger, 15 years younger, less hair. It was weird. It's weird. Yeah. Yes, I I agree. I, I get Anderson, get him back for season Six, clearly he'll be important since he's on that station that fired at, at Earth's ships. They got they gotta raid the ship, right? They're gonna get on that they're gonna get on the station and uh Medina station and, and, and raid it and capture Anderson Dawes and arrest him, so oh, you think maybe he'll come back in season six? Maybe. Maybe they'll throw enough money at him for the final season to be like, come back for one episode. I'm pretty sure in the books, Anderson Dawes at this point was the uh, governor of Ceres. Well, he's not here. He's He is in charge of Medina Station now. Medina Station, formerly the behemoth. Hell yeah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> season five of The Expanse. So the big thing for me this season is all the backstory that you get for all your characters, except for uh, Stephen Strait, a.k.a. James Holden, which is fine. But it's Naomi and uh, kind of Alex's, but also Amos' Amos's. story, which, mm-hmm. holy shit. I love oh, it. my God. That's the, the best part of the season. And Baltimore and everything about it is oh. why I love book five so much is because of Amos' story. Oh. Really? Can yeah. I present an unpopular opinion? Sure. I loved it. It was great. But it was my least favorite among all of the storylines. Hmm. I, I every time I, I don't know, I think in a, when you have a show full of sci-fi and space and all this cool shit, giving me a bunch of scenes on Earth just was really boring to me. And I don't know if Amos's backstory was like hyped up, like overhyped for me or what, but I was just like, Oh, okay, he's exactly what we would expect. <laughs> like that that backstory yeah. is exactly what I expected it was. Uh it was still great. I am not trying to diminish how good he was, how good uh, Clarissa Mao is. Uh, the the other guy, Eric, was his name. He was great. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like all of they were, all of them were great. But I was like counting the minutes until we got back to Naomi because I think she had the best storyline in this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, hers is the one that drives it forward for mm-hmm. sure. Um, More than just that, I, it was sad. It was powerful and just everything with with her and philip and just uh, marco just every second like the the microaggressions high the microaggressions and um the 
the little the little pokes he he has at her, the little death of a thousand cuts he always hits her with, uh, mm-hmm. and is 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 doing to Philip. You can tell as well, like he's such an abusive monster. It's it's horrifying. Like uh, abuse in abuse in Hollywood is done often in ways, and they easily could have done it for for Marco. It's it's done over it's overplayed. It's like you know they acted up a bit so that you could see it. You know so that mm-hmm. you know people who aren't victims of abuse don't see it, who who wouldn't see it normally can be are be able to see it. But like this is it's real and it's scary and that makes him all the scarier of a villain. Yeah. That's why I was like Naomi's storyline is it's it was it's hard to watch but it's the best one. And it, it's really interesting too because his his role as a villain is so grand in a way except on that scale of that little triangle that little family unit that that adds a whole nother layer to his villainy you know in a way that you wouldn't have seen if he was just the guy on the other side with a army of belters on his back like it it brings you a whole new perspective on who he is and his motivations when you have that relationship right right in the forefront, you know. It's almost more prevalent than what he's actually doing in the large scale. Yeah. Seeing the pain that he brings Naomi personally is like more compelling than <laughs> the larger scale thing he's doing. Well no, it's like we know that uh the character Naomi is a a, a good person. She's a she's a, a good person and the fact that he drove her away to the point where she she didn't abandon her son because throughout the we, we discovered that she clearly looked for him for months. She tried to get her son back, but the fact that it got to the point where she left because he was so bad that uh, I think that really speaks to how bad of a character or bad of a person he is. And what adds to it is this dude is this dude is messianic. Like you know, I, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but. I know the way a lot of us lean and if we lived in the belt at this time like he, he's right like he brings up a lot of great points and it's very easy to jump on on board with that kind of rhetoric um especially with the fact that he's actually gets shit done so now you have this dude who is who is promising you the world and it's the whole behind the curtain thing of like well well look at what he does to his family look what he does to this his former wife or his son like like it's it, it's so a lot of this season uh really harkens back like really parallels shit going on right now and it's it was really uh, more than ever, this show always has, but this season especially, like the the discussion of Osarala has with the new Secretary General talking about like radicalizing all of the uh, you know radicalizing all of the belts, you know if if you attack all these stations and blah blah blah, like just stuff like that is just like here you have this leader who is charismatic and powerful and and effective and also abusive and horrible and a monster, so. I was trying to like find a correlation to something more um <clears throat> I guess in our actual world, who he kind of reminds me of, but I can't. It's it's too difficult. Um 
there, you know, there are all sorts of influential people who I'm sure you pull back the curtain on. They'll be terrible and awful. Absolutely. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to sympathize with Marco Inaros to an extent because he's just, at the end of the day, he, he sees himself as a patriot. But at the end of the day, he's not. He's doing it all wrong and he's actually making things worse for the belt. Um, Is he? Yes. He's drawing a line in the sand. And to be fair, what's the negatives out of this? He's he's clearly demonstrating at every turn he can win. It's not, you know, for the belt, and I'm not saying he is a he is the he is right or, or wrong, but I'm saying in the belt's eyes, he's 100% right because he's proving especially with the final attack on the ring at the end of the season, he's he proves full, fully he is capable of defeating Earth. That should put the fear in in Earth 100%. Because it's like, this is not, and it, it does, obviously. This is not just some random terrorist. He is a military leader, and he is the leader of not just a bunch of random colonies. He is the leader of the belt. And that is the way it is now, especially with Fred Johnson gone, because now Anderson Dawes is on his side as well. He is the de facto leader of the belt. There's no one else. I'd say he's very effective, and he's very, and for the belt, he is, he is right, especially since the belt's been trodden on for a century. And I, I think, I think you have a point there. But at the same time, he also is is shown on like the war room, you know, the the tendency and the willingness to kill civilians of the belt. True. And so he's just really he's um, risking the lives of everyone in the belt because he realizes that how little the belters mean to the inners, to the point that if Mars or, you know, high-level Mar- Martian military wasn't in cahoots with him, they probably would have been wiped off, you know, wiped out of the solar system. So, like, yeah, I don't know. That's and fair. At the end of the day, he's not trying to create a more fair and just solar system. He's trying to establish the belt as the dominant power of the solar system. Right. And, I mean, you know, Two wrongs don't make a right at this point. Just because the inners stepped on the belters' necks for so long doesn't mean it's just that the belters step on the inners' neck. Mm-hmm. It's not how you make a better world to live in. That was the uh, contrast I was going to make and a point on. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm not even like just trying to divulge things that happen in the books, but like at the end of the day, he's probably going to push people too far with how they're going to play it in the show i'm assuming and he's going to lose and you already saw it with um uh, what's her name car g's character drummer he already lost her loyalty right away because mm-hmm. he was too extreme well he was he was very very uh that was very arrogant sending a friend of jim holden's and his crew crew to destroy the rosinante you should just—I know it was like a loyalty test, but it should have just been like, no, we're not going to have her do that. She won't get it done. But at this point, doesn't it show that Marco Inaros is a flawed person? Absolutely. And that he lets his emotions get the better of him, and he tries to play it cool, but it undermines him. Absolutely. Multiple I just, times throughout this season, it undermines him. I now just, his son even sees it. 
I get it. No, no, no. And I get it. And I, at the end of it all, I do agree with you. I just don't want to downplay the the efficacy of aggression when it comes to fighting for the rights of people who are in the minority, who are oppressed. You know, like it works. And maybe on his scale, it's wrong, but it works. It's, I don't know, it's short term. That's the way I look at it, is that kind of change doesn't come just by, you know. One attack is short term. Following it up with, you know, actual progress. Now, that was his issue, of course. He continues, he's obsessed with, I think his really, really big, worst, biggest problem is being obsessed with the Rosanante at the end of the day. He's obsessed with the symbol of that rather than actually getting, like, building off of his previous successes. So... I feel like there's a moment as well when they first um, take the sample from Fred's office and uh, oh, what's her character's name? The uh, mechanic. That was a, that was a mechanic girl. That was a, a good betrayal because um, she was, if I remember right, she was a bigger character in the book, like more consistent. You would build a relationship with her for a long time. So that meant more when she turned. Mm. And uh, her, that was all she had to say when the when the sample made it away safely was you lost. Yeah, it was. She was. I mean, talking to Holden, but what he's he's not really Belter. He's not really an inner. She just. It's all about winning. Like the belt is winning for once. The the OPA is winning for once. It wasn't really. It it feels almost like. Look, we did it. We can, we can make you bleed. Mm-hmm. It it felt almost aimless, like it was a tactic, but they didn't have a follow up. You know, that was how this all fe- feels to me. I don't know. I don't know about tactic with no follow up. Uh, clearly, it, it worked out. They sold the proto molecule to the Martians uh, with that weird ass ending. I don't know what that was. So, but... which I'm gonna. Just touch upon that real quick. Um, I'm kind of surprised they actually did that. So from what I gathered with, especially with us knowing that this series is coming to an end after next season, at least with Amazon Prime, but I'm assuming from what I've heard from, uh, I think it was something Ty Frank said, but he said this was always the plan was to do a six season arc, tell a story that they can um, have a beginning, middle and end, just finish it beautifully in six seasons. This thing, what they're doing with the Martians, like heading through that gate, siding with uh, Marco for that like one moment, that's what sets up the arc for like books seven, eight, and nine. And so I'm like, are they going to try to tell all of that plus doing this whole Marco and Aros thing all in the next season? I, I don't think so. This has to be setting up a, um, a spinoff series or something. What um can can we talk about what actually happened at the end of that? Was the ship destroyed by those things, or were we just kind of seeing what Jim is seeing? Is that um, like what is what happened there? Okay, um, I mean I don't know if it like spoils anything. Just tell me in the case of the ship, was okay, it destroyed? Do you, do you remember? Do you remember when they're on the planet in season four? Um. There's something that kills the planet. That something that kills the planet is that. 
Right. Jim talks about it in this season. He says that he he sees them every time he goes through the gates now. Yes. Is that is that is that what it, what it just was? It was that's, illustrating that's what he sees. That's the entity or civilization or whatever it is, the weapon, whatever it is that killed the people that built the proto molecule. Right. I and get that. And now that, that. the proto molecule is becoming more active again, it's starting to show up. But that still so, doesn't answer my question. Did the was it those entities destroying the Martian ship? Or was it just no. a glimpse into what Holden says? I think he it's a glimpse sees. into what I think it's a glimpse into what yeah. Holden always sees. Got it. Um, I think I think the purpose in the story was like just parting the curtain just a little bit so that you can yeah. see this it, is what's going on. It wasn't totally clear. That's why I had yeah. to ask no, I get because that. I, get I was that. like, I, honestly, I was questioning the same thing. I thought I thought they died. Yes, I, it looked like it, it, the way they kind of frame it and the way they kind of shoot it. It looks like these things just literally eat the ship up and then it's just gone. And yeah. I know it was going through the gate at the time, but I ha- I thought I remembered that you could still s- partially see a ship on the other side of the gate when that happens. So I was right. like, I wasn't sure. But yeah, if that's if it's just a glimpse, that makes more sense. I mean, and it's also, I mean, the sudden nature of it was also uh, very similar and parallel to how that, I forget, that, that one ship that went around Venus when it got like yeah. disassembled yeah. and then reassembled like it was very sudden out of nowhere so i feel like that kind of paralleled it in my mind hmm, maybe yeah um i loved that chapter in the book there's a lot of there's so a, creepy sorry there's a lot of moments in this show that i feel like are really sudden and make me like rewind often um uh, it's I think sometimes they're trying to tell more in a tighter space than they probably should. Sure. Mm-hmm. And probably they're also relying on a lot of people having read the books maybe. And so you can kind of like, oh, I know what they're doing there. But for people who haven't read the books, it might it might be a little bit more confusing. And I get that. Um, you I'm know. Sh- that's right, Mark. It's so hard because <clears throat> I know we're we're talking about this as the show. And I try not to um, pull too 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 much from the books because you know. Yeah, we don't. I feel like it partially takes away from the conversation we what we're trying that. to talk about. Um, but I do feel like uh, I see what you're saying about Amos's uh, his storyline in the show, and I think part of what you lose is his narration in the book gives you so much of an insight into his his mental state and the way that he views the world and it's really hard to portray that through i think he does it as good of a job as he physically can portraying that fit like you know through acting without the dialogue without the narration that goes for a lot of characters i mean james holden is at least a hundred times more interesting as a character in the books than he is in the show I mean, I, you know, I like Stephen Strait, and I didn't like him in season one, but he's really grown on me. But Holden is way cooler than Stephen Strait is portraying him in this show, 100%. I, and that uh, goes for a lot of characters. I have no doubt that section in the book is good, um, but I don't care about it uh, because I'm not reading the book, and I don't think mm-hmm. I'll ever read the book. Um, you know, if, and if Just I do... Because anyone doesn't know, Ben actually doesn't know how to read. They don't, unless there's pictures on the page as well. He needs a lot of pictures, yep. Um, you know, I books are cool. 
I don't have time for novels. Um, there's too many words. There's too much to commit to. And I don't like listening to other people read. So uh, if I ever re- if I ever do get to reading the book, uh, I will still ju- I will judge it based on its own, you know, on its own merits. I'll never, you know, I'll be like, yes, this part in this book is good. But it, it maybe I'll even say this part in this book is the best part of the book in, in the case of Amos' storyline. However, in the show, it's still the worst part of the show. You know, like it just be just knowing that stuff doesn't make it better. It just mm-hmm. it's just about how it's executed. Yeah, it just it hurts to see. I mean, I still wouldn't as far as that book goes. The Naomi storyline is still the most compelling part. But I think that um, <clears throat> just seeing seeing everything in a different lens in the book is is really powerful. It's still, I would say, you know, on the same scale of level of interest compared to the rest of the storylines it's about the same for me yeah but i just think it's it's so much more compelling still in the, in the book fair enough maybe someday yeah. uh yeah i, I do know that's why that's why i hesitate to say things like that because it's it's it feels fruitless because there's no <laughs> it's not like right doing anything for anyone by me saying oh it's just it's just better in the book. Like that doesn't do anything for our conversation. So, right. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just hurts to see it. You know, it's I hard not it. to acknowledge that because that's I, why it's such a cool, it's a cool other, uh, that first interaction in Eric's office in the book is it's incredible. And it's, it's like way a, more powerful for sure. You're on the edge of your seat when you're yeah. reading it, but when you're watching it, it's like, okay. It's like they distilled the whole interaction <laughs> into a paragraph of dialogue and then moved on where it I was mean, like it was so tense in the book and now then, i'm not saying point, you can't do that in film well right they it's up just to the actors it well it's up to the actors at that point um you know people often people think that you need like big long lengthy inner monologues to fully narrate something that is going through a character's head when really all you need is five seconds of a close-up and you can get all of that as long as you have a good actor um i don't you know i don't need to know uh, his his apartment smells like hot bourbon on a sunny winter day. It's like I don't that need any of that. Smell. I can that see the look of disgust on a sunny winter day. I, I can no, see the look of disgust smell. on Amos's face and know that his his <laughs> apartment smells like hot bourbon on a sunny winter day. And I would know. Uh, now, with that being said, oh. <laughs> Eric is great. The guy who plays Amos is great. Um, they're not Oscar-winning actors, so and and nor is the sh- nor does the show have the time to linger on characters for reactions. Um, mm-hmm. That's a big thing. But like, you know, I, I get your point at the end of the day. But I just want to say that like you don't need ten-page inner monologues to illustrate that as long as you have good actors. Uh, if we're on the uh, we're. <laughs> I guess we keep going back. I have one more disappointment I remembered. Uh, drummer's girlfriend, don't like her, didn't care about her. Literally was a waste of time. Right? Do we drummer's agree or disagree? girlfriend, it's drummer's wife. Was that her wife? So in yeah. the books, they're all married to each other, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, still didn't like her, still didn't care about her. Uh, she, she's has she, she's never been in the series, right? No. This is her first season, yeah. Um. Uh, she was annoying for most of the time for me. I think she, 
and this is just personally, I guess, like, I guess good writing because, like, never once does she exhibit any sort of lack of, any sort of loyalty or love toward Drummer. She acts very selfishly, like, the entire time and then admonishes Drummer for wanting to save her friends. Uh, and then it's like, at the end of it, she's like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, cool, bye. <laughs> like, I, the only, the only uh, feelings I had toward her were the feelings that Drummer had toward her. So I was, like, sad to see Drummer sad. But, like, what a waste. Uh, I don't know if the actress was not good or the writing wasn't good for her. But she's just, she was just, they could have left her out. She did nothing. Well, well I, think, I, I think the same thing about Drummer's family. Because a lot of those, it's, it, you know... It's the future. Things work differently. There's a lot of um, married to multiple people sort of thing. Um, so a lot of stuff happens. And like he, like you said, you don't really care. <laughs> I just don't care. Right, I'm sad <laughs> like, for Drummer, but otherwise, yeah. who are these people? We're just meeting them for the first time. Yeah, I think that's another thing is... <laughs> is he going to say in the book? So here's the thing about <laughs> Drummer is Drummer is literally like four different fucking characters from the books rolled into one character in the show. Okay. Drummer is not married to a lot of people. Drummer never does this whole like pirate queen thing. That's a whole nother character. But they didn't. That, that's too many actors for the show. So they started combining sure. characters. In fact, you know, the, the, the guy that plays the pilot bull. Uh, yeah. Who the, the obvious. This is who's replacing Alex character. Yeah, um, Clarissa's. He's actually Alex. supposed to be in season three. Drummer's not there. He's the guy who's like in the the mech, the temporary mech suit because his back is broken. Thing. Yeah, That's I remember bold. hearing about him. Yeah. yeah. So, like they've they've just like they switched a lot of things around. Um, Bull would be a lot bigger character this season if he was the guy in three. Yeah, she plays like four different characters all throughout the season, just, just for like convenience sake. I just want to point out that undoubtedly Clarissa is going to be Alex's replacement. The window is open. The opportunity is golden. So she's yes, a but pilot. in the books, she joins the crew anyways. Oh, really? And it's just their family just gets bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it goes in the books. The family just keeps getting bigger. Well, she could still be the pilot, and I think it'd be fun. I I loved Amos's entire interaction with Holden at the end there. It's like, yes, it's so awkward. Remember? And I love that they did that so well because it's super awkward oh, in the God. books too. So but, just like, but now we have each other's backs because we're family. Yeah, of course. Great. Glad it's cleared up. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. You coming in? Hey, he thanks for being so cool she about walks this, dude. By like, what the fuck just happened? Hey, thanks for being so cool about this. Well, yeah, she tried to. She like killed a lot of people just to try to kill him. So it's like perfect that she walked by so awkward. <laughs> it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I, I really like that. Um, we haven't even really talked about her. But uh, I do want to bring up uh, Shorai Agnishlu, who plays uh, the ever-wonderful Christian Vassarella. Um, this was a heavy season for her character, given the fact that her husband is dead. Um, I just... I don't know. I, I wish there was more of her, I guess, is the only way to say it. She's come such a long way, though, man. She, like I just I wanted to see more of her because she's grown the actress has grown so well into that character over the years even though she hit it right from the start perfectly but I don't know I just I wanted to see more of her and I feel like we couldn't see that because the cast is so big now it's got game of thrones syndrome all over it but this woman who 
has forever like who's always been obsessed with power um and not in a egomaniacal way she believes she can do good as long as she has power and for her to resign in that moment uh with the secretary general when he's talking about uh destroying uh series is it i think he's talking about destroying yeah yeah um like what a a, a grandstanding moment for that character like that is her, that is it that the culmination of her character arc happens there when she is willing to walk away from the from a seat at the table which is something she's always desired, always fought to keep. She's willing to walk away from the seat of a table if it means, you know, standing up for principles that she never even realized she had. Well, that that's the big thing is it's not about her seeking power. It's she's always done the the logical thing. Eliminate whatever threat you have to eliminate. That too. Um, she's very cutthroat. And she never sought to, like, control the situation. Well, she no, she sought to control the situation. She doesn't need to be the one in charge. She needs to be the one who's telling the person in charge what to do. A seat at the table. Yes, a seat at the table. But she, she needs to be the most important person in the room. But at the end of the day, she's not the face. And... But yes, the fact that she got up and she left because she doesn't want to do what they're going to do um, maybe it has something to do with the fact that she lost, you know, her husband. Maybe if, it opened up something inside of her because he was the one who was always the 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 what do you call it? The the voice of caution or whatever. He was always that for her, and now that he's gone, maybe she's finally doing it on her own. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I just, I just rambled in like a weird circle there, but. No, absolutely. And I I think even like in the unspoken um, between the lines kind of situation, if I may be so bold, I mean, she is a Christian of Osarala is obviously a Middle Eastern woman um, in if she's a political person familiar with history. I mean, look at what she's she's sitting here listening to and she's like, what the fuck are you saying right now? You're going to do exactly what we did 200 years ago to another group of people. Like, go, no, I'm not sitting here for that. And obviously, it didn't need to be said, but I, I think that's an it's an interesting way to look back on it because my head started going there, and it's an interesting way to read the scene as well, um, where she starts to feel, it, it's, it's, she feels, she, she takes it personally in some respects, you can tell. And I, it could be because of her husband as well, because, of course, her husband would never advocate for this either. No. He was also an innocent who was killed, you know. Yes, absolutely. That's, you know, that's a big deal. And so, you know, you think of, you know, your loved ones being killed because of a high price or a high value target, you know, like. So, I, you know, that and that's that's actually a big deal. And they pretty much out and said it said, you know, like, oh, we'll radicalize an entire new group of people because we're trying to go off of one radicalized group. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, okay, so that's Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Got it. Like, you know, it's like very, very straightforward. Next thing you know, Earth's going to start giving weapons and training to another group of belters who are then going to mm -hmm. decide, you know what? I don't want to be with these people anymore. And the cycle continues. No. Um... <laughs> I mean, isn't that what the Martians did? No, I'm kidding. They got bought. They got bought, but I'm sure yeah. I'm sure the Martians will find themselves on the other end of Marco and Aris's gun soon enough. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it was definitely just like, because he said that you have your system, we have ours. You know, it's going to collapse. 
you know right eventually we you will have eventually we will have our system and we will have your system <laughs> as well <laughs> oh man i was trying to fuck tip i was trying to find something on uh, on shore because um pretty sure she's uh yeah she's iranian and she actually i think left iran during the uh the takeover in the 70s yeah wow um because of it and uh i think she actually like studied international relations and all that so like in so many ways she was the perfect person to play this character she she loves in addition to her her clear love of sci-fi which she's uh, popped up in here and there uh she loves political roles as well i've always noticed uh roles that have some kind of uh she's if you guys ever watched 24 she's fantastic in 24 she has a a great, great character arc in in the season of that. I forget which season. Um, you know, it's it, it, her characters are always very thoughtful, and I, I don't know if that comes from her desire to play those kinds of characters or what. But it's they always have these fantastic arcs. She's great. I love her. I I I kind of miss I kind of miss the early seasons of Asorella because I mean it's the world was a lot smaller mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. right like well the world of this show was a lot smaller and dealt with fewer things and so I felt like she you know seeing her be this you know badass you know political force throughout that entire time was just like it was just cool to see and like I don't know I I feel like she gets she's become she's seen the light in a way. And so it's like, that has been a character development and she's kind of turned into a different character because that's what people do. Mm -hmm. And so like, so like that's, that's a fantastic character. I do miss some parts of her being a badass in a lot of ways. Like, you know, just a total, I don't know, asshole, I guess (laughs) I, I miss her being an asshole. And like, so, you know, like now she's, you know, like, okay, we have to do what's sane. We have to do what's right. And it's like we're losing sight of being humans and we're just going to destroy ourselves completely. So, right. I I enjoyed, though, I mean, her being such a hard ass for so long um, clearly rubbed some people the wrong way. Mm. So her having access to so much power before was one you know one side of her and now that she was all closed off and trying to figure out how to do things you know without all of the help that she had was was interesting to see her still you know be so persistent and powerful without her power in a way you know yeah yeah without using her original set of skills that she had used she gained a new set of skills because of the moral dilemmas she's been through Yeah, there's. Cool. I mean, Callan said it right off the bat in the in our conversation here. There's there's a lot of character growth in this book. Every character. It's a season. Oh, you know. Oh, in this season, yes. Yes. <clears throat> Books are. I, no, well, I, speaking I, of I the word that I just used, I was looking to see what season uh, uh, Shoray was on, Ben, and it says day four. That's, so. It's season four. Well, it's day four, Ben. Every, uh, you know what? At least it's not saying chapter four. All right. At least it knows it's not a book. <laughs> good, book good, four. Good Heads good up point. to all you TV shows and movies that think you're books. You're not. <laughs> Power no, book no, two. No, book book of fat. Um, but uh, 
No, I uh, no, I I, uh, I was gonna say there's so many things that there's so many things about this that you guys are like talking about the books and stuff like that. But I really, really, I'm glad Ben that you have been so hard on looking at media in itself. Mm-hmm. So like seeing a piece of media and saying like this is in itself because when people. Uh, and 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 this is this happens with film all the time is that we talk about like how was it translated and I said and I th- always think whenever people say that is that like there was a story and it was a fantastic story over here and now we have another story that happened and this one was you know this adaptation process created a new story created a new thing and so like the fact that drummers like four different characters i fortunately didn't get that far in the books i think i got to like book two or three and um and uh and the fact that drummer is four different characters hasn't bothered me and i could imagine going from the books to the series you're like well how are they gonna do this how are they gonna do this what what are they doing with this and it's like man they're twisting so many things and it starts to feel rushed, but I feel like coming from somebody who's completely illiterate, um, I feel like that's a blessing. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, look, here's I know th- how to read good, okay? I, I read real good. I wish I had time for books, like for novels. I, I wish I did. There's a, I got a bunch on my shelf right here that I want to read really badly. Um, but I got really I got goodly. I got it. You gestured your cat was like, "What the fuck?" I know. I, I, I noticed that too. He's I'm like, sorry. "Excuse me." Um, that, Don't that gesture reminds, to me while you do your talky shit. <laughs> that remind me of like that marketing or or um or like mastermind Ty Lopez or whatever. He's like, "Here in my garage with my Ferrari, <laughs> the most important I have, thing I have are my books." I have and a it's beautiful. Like, Dune. None of them have been touched. It's just brand new books put on a shelf. I have a beautiful <laughs> Dune book that I'd love to crack open. I just don't at the time right now for novels i could blow through a comic book in a in an hour i i don't i can't oh, blow through bro, novels. just read 10 minutes before bed no i can't i can't surprised. do that if i if i'm tired i won't be able to read it all then um, i'm with you here's, it'll take it'll take me months to finish a book a, a, a you know two to four hundred page book whereas that i just do audiobooks all the time because i'm in the car you know Mm-hmm. two hours a day basically yeah i don't yeah. like listening and to I, people read to me i i know i know i just i was so hesitant at first and i feel like it, it's really hit or miss i have to like the narrator otherwise it i just can't get into it exactly so i i went through a few that i really didn't care for at the beginning and once i started finding a few books that i liked the narration in uh it like 15 hours goes like that you know I also tend to disassociate when I listen to podcasts, so I assume I'll just do the same when I'm, you know, listening was, to an audiobook. I was going to say the same thing. I tried doing audiobooks for a while, and when it gets really dense in a book, like, you, when you're reading it, you can go back and be like, okay, I didn't exactly get that, but that's harder with an audiobook, so then I just wind up going into highway hypnosis <laughs> and disassociating, and then I realize I haven't been listening to this for, yep, like, two minutes. Always. You know, and that's fair. I did try to uh, listen to a, a new Star Wars audiobook a few weeks ago, and I literally started the book over ten times in one day. And I'm yeah. just like, you know what? I'm not listening to this ever. I have no I fucking idea what's I, going on. I can't get into it, so that's fair. I, and I don't, I don't exactly miss my commute, but I kind of miss that part of my commute is being able to listen to audiobooks like all day long. I, yeah, I loved yeah. that. But, I definitely have my moments. Like, 
there are days where I'll I'll listen to five minutes straight of a book and it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm literally not processing this. I've rewound several times and I'm like, you know what? It's a podcast day or even worse. It's a music day. And I can't, I can't literally absorb any of this content that these people yeah, are trying to say to music. me. Sometimes like, well, just... no, not like it's the worst option. I just mean when I really can't, you just cannot feel anything coming through. You're like, I can't listen to even like the simplest form of entertaining sure commentary i well, just need to put on music but with the, with the kind of with the kind of work days you pull i mean it's you get tired but on the <laughs> you topic just brain can't do it anymore of adaptations getting back to that um i do want to say <clears throat> that even even if i read the book you know even if i did all that um the simple fact of the matter is i have a i have a very very strict rule you can do everything differently. I don't care. It's a, it's a different series, right? But here's the thing. I know the other story. So if your different version that you had for source material is worse than the other story, then I'm not going to like it because you had it you had the source material and you threw it out. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something different. So that's another big reason like, like, why I don't like to read books because I like TV more. I like movies more. So I don't want that book, that really good story, to ruin something that may be good uh, in its own right, but uh, very bad compared to the original source material, you know? That makes sense. No, I just, for me, I know... A movie slash TV show can either be as good as a book, but it will never be better. No, that's not true at all. That's absolutely true. It'll never be better. V for Vendetta um, is a better movie than a book. Watchmen is a better movie than a book. Is V for Vendetta a book? Yes. It's a graphic novel. Is it? Yes. That is a book. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about graphic novels. Uh, okay, let's talk about books then. I don't know. I don't read books. I don't know which ones are I, I, I know. That's why I'm, I, I'm telling you something and not, you know. I, 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 I still I, don't know if that, that, that can't be true. That can't be true. No, there I think has it's absolutely to be, true. I don't no. think they're ever better. They're either as good or not as good. Uh, it's also, it, it's also uh, your perspective of what you're looking for. They wouldn't the make the movie if the book wasn't that good. Shining. Movie's better than the book. That's, can't, I, I tried to read that a, book. That's it an sucks. opinion because... People are divided on that. That's also it's also it's also a fact that it depends on what you bring to the table and what you want out of something and your perspective going into it. I don't think that they're obviously this is subjective, very obviously. And so like things like The Shining, Stanley Kubrick like completely changed that, right? Right. Just completely changed it from the book. And I like what he did cuz partially because I think that I mean, you can burn through a Stephen King book, but I don't exactly love the way he writes and uh, no, I don't well, like the stories that he's writing at all that, no. he, that he portrays. I just don't love it. And but I love the way Stanley Kubrick films. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's just I'm coming in for Stanley Kubrick. And then if somebody is a Stephen King fan, they're coming to Stanley Kubrick's work with Stephen King's baggage. And so it's like you can't really I mean, I feel like adaptation. That's why I don't like to say this one compared to this one they're two separate pieces of media created by two separate groups of people uh, some most of the time um and oh go ahead no i'm sorry 
I didn't mean to interrupt no, I, you. I, I, well, what I mean to say is that I like to put a little crowbar separation between sure. the two. But like, you can't I don't, separate in this case. Right. And, 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 and I think that um, that's a big deal for The Expanse. I think that's a huge deal for the fan base. I think it's a huge deal for how Amazon or any sort of production company has to deal with adaptation. Um, it's a big deal going into it, but the final product needs to be kept separate and well, so it's hard yeah and well so the authors of the books we've said this before they're heavily involved in the writing room uh for the show but even they say they're two separate things so that is fair mm -hmm. they a hundred times they've said the books are going in one direction you know the show has kind of evolved in a different direction because it makes more sense for a tv show heard that tale before if they try yeah well, well <laughs> honestly that was a cop-out because we're never getting the rest of game of thrones <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah that's that's what i was that gonna, fucker I was saw actually... what happened with the end of the mm -hmm. the show and went yeah i'm never releasing that shit <laughs> i uh i did want to say i just thought of a book a uh, movie that's definitely better than the books three movies in fact definitely passion better. of the christ bullshit definitely better than the three books <laughs> uh and that is the lord of the rings Movies. Are no, I was I, I was gonna say that because okay, so from a modern reader perspective, let's say you you do a lot of uh, let's say you're maybe somebody, and this might be a, a very small group of people that rings that that still reads young adult fiction at the age of thirty, um, and maybe you go to Lord of the Rings thinking, oh, like this is cool fantasy, and then you get hit with an orthographer's interpretation yeah. of a universe so <laughs> it's yeah lord, lord of the rings the books are like up here and in terms of how advanced they are yeah the movies are legolas go Brrr. they're not up there in how in terms of how advanced they are they're up there in terms and of I'm how not pretentious saying that to put down the movies but i'm just saying <laughs> They're Come pretentious. On, there's a huge what? difference between the books and the movies. When, when Legolas, when and Legolas, I would not say the movies will ever be better than the books. I when respect J.R.R. Tolkien. He created fantasy as we know it. Is he a good writer? No, he's not a good writer, guys. There it is. I'm saying it now. He's not a good writer. He was he was an innovator of his time because fantasy didn't really exist sure, in the way absolutely. that it does. He was an intellectual and you just didn't understand him. Wow. No. <laughs> no, what what I mean to say is he was he was he made he was a very I'm not going to say he was a progenitor, but he was uh, someone that kind of put into the mainstream a very specific story. And it was like a, uh, a catastrophe, the the catastrophe that happens in the hero's journey. And so, like, he had this specific type of lore and fantasy. And lore, I mean, lore was folklore. It was folk tales back in the day. Now lore is like if you have a fantasy book or a, a sci-fi or a D and D, you've campaign. got lore. You've got lore. You've got fucking like a backstory that's never told. You've got this huge, expansive universe that just didn't exist before him in in the mainstream media. That just didn't exist. And so, J.R.R. Tolkien, I believe, very dense writing, very descriptive writing, very difficult to get past the uh council of elrond <laughs> it's just very difficult to, to get over that hill it's very difficult to get over the that's where a lot of people stop as soon as they get into rivendale they just set down the book and never pick it up again <laughs> um so like that and then to come to so he was he 
he studied ancient languages and that was his thing and that's what he brought to it because he thought that the fans the fantastic knowledge that you could gain from things like i don't know that the um finding out the normans were a civilized nation in 600 a.d or whatever um like finding these sorts of this gold mine. Sorry, I'm I'm going off on a huge tangent yeah. right now. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah. ridiculous. I'm sorry. I started talking. You meant don't ever mention J.R. Tolkien again. <laughs> <laughs> don't mention my boy again. Not on this podcast. No, no, no. no. I, I I definitely hear what you're saying. So, um, so Philip uh, Philip Anaris. Um, <laughs> the moment um, you've all been how waiting for. That, that boy was cast though. Oh, holy oh shit! Did he look he like looks he was just his son? like them? Yes, it's that's incredible. perfect. Perfectly cast. It blew my fucking mind. And he was good. He was really good too. Normally, when you get like look castings like that, you're like, oh well, they definitely cast him to look like this kid, their kids. Uh, no, no, but he was great. He was great. Uh, really really powerful performances out of him whenever like like him the and after, marco together him and marco together and the aftermath of, of his and naomi's conversations were always great and like him going from like wow maybe maybe this woman is really important to me when marco tells him that she wasn't trying to kill him kill herself she was trying to escape you see that moment of like wow everything she's told me is a lie in his eyes and it's just like Oh, it hurts! It hurts to see it from him. Uh, he was—he was great. I'm excited to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. I he, my initial reaction was that he looked older than I, I had read him, um, and I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But then, as soon as I don't know, as soon as you got him in the same ship as Marco, he felt like a kid. It was really interesting, like Which, how well that how well he felt like older and he and he you know exuded more experience and age until he was in front of his dad mm-hmm. and then he feels like a kid when he's around his, it's so interesting yeah absolutely. yeah <laughs> does that is that f- feeling familiar for anybody else <laughs> <laughs> no but i think a large part of it is his dad pushes him down in that way of mm-hmm. you're just a dumb kid you're not emotionally strong enough yet blah, blah, blah. you know stuff like that right yeah, um, like physically in in the way they the way they shoot the scenes too like they they go to great lengths to make it feel i, I feel like it was very purposeful marco well, up on his well, pedestal whenever he walks well, i was also gonna say is that's marco yes. dealing with his own insecurities is his son is becoming stronger he doesn't like that because by the way, I love that Marco is short. What a what a great <laughs> casting touch. Honestly, what a great casting touch. Well, I don't think that was the, the goal. Um, but it worked, is what I'm saying. Yes. Like, the fact that they ended up getting this dude who is, who is imposing physically, but still very short. When, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they might have cheated the camera sometimes here and there. Uh, but I, 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 they make it known that this dude's short. Sometimes when you get a sh- like Tom Cruise, when you get a short actor, you're gonna put him up on an Apple box. You got it. We gotta protect him. Not with this dude. They're like, <laughs> oh, you're short. No, Marco Inaros is definitely a fucking short dude. <laughs> God, you know, living your life as a short dude must be hard. It like, is really hard. As a five like- seven individual, it is. <laughs> extremely hard because not only do tall people make fun of you short people make fun of you 
My neck hurts and I take my pain out on other short people. <laughs> That's why he got a cat. Oh, <laughs> I want someone shorter than me around me. <laughs> At all times. Oh, anyway, so, so so Legolas riding on the uh, surfboarding down on a shield probably made J.R.R. Tolkien turn in his grave so fast that he created a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, <clears throat> boys, I know we could talk about The Expanse and or Lord of the Rings all night. Yeah, yeah. I think this um, should be the Lord of the Rings cast now. And uh, I, we, I've come to a point, yeah, I, I've come to a point now where I think we should, unless anyone else has anything else they really want to get at, I think now's a good time for us to... Uh... I do. Garrus looks like he has something to add. Okay. Ben. I, I do have one more thing I'd like to talk about. Okay. Oh, God, this guy. It's a long podcast. Deal with it. <laughs> we knew it was going to be. It's a great episode. A great season. Um, okay. Uh, I, I want to talk about one last thing. Um, I really, really, really loved that. Don't get me wrong. I love all of like the extra sci-fi stuff. Like This show it has sci-fi. It has two levels. It has sci-fi and it has extra sci-fi. Anything with the ring and the protomolecule and shit is extra sci-fi. Anything just out in space and, and being space people is sci-fi. And I love that, like, most of this season isn't really extra sci-fi. It's literally space politics. And I know for some people they may find that boring. But I think this was – I think this – that's what made this season so strong is like, oh man, when like the when the Rosi was coming up on those five uh, ships with the with Naomi's ship that was ready to explode being the bait and stuff like that, and the music was swelling, I was like, I got more pumped than ever, like any other any any other space battle because I was like, wow, it's all built to this. They've been focusing on these characters and on these situations, and, and now here here we are in this final big moment and 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 paid off so fucking well like yeah is the proto molecule uh macguffin throughout it absolutely but we're not seeing like fucking space zombies throughout it we're not seeing you know uh a cra any kind of crazy shit we don't see it until the end obviously until the very end but uh we see uh especially for holden i think uh the effect that all that shit's had on him i think the whole crew honestly i think I think most a lot of the motivation of people splitting and going their own ways was the shit they fucking saw in the extra sci-fi world. They were like, yeah, that sucked. We need to make our peace. Uh, and so Naomi goes to find her son. Alex goes to try to make things right with his family. Obviously, Amo, Amos, his mother-ish figure, died, and then that's why he's going. But I think without all of the shit that happened on Illus, it, it, he probably wouldn't have even gone. Like, that was like, you know, shit... Shit hit the fan in season four for these people. Like, they came up against stuff. Like, could you imagine? They came up against shit that, like, would never, would blow our fucking minds and came out of it and walked away. Like, there would be so much PTSD in that world, uh, walking out of that fucking monolith thing with all the slugs. Like, I would never go anywhere dark again. But I just wanted to say that. I really admired it. That was my favorite part of this whole season. Okay. All right. Two levels of sci-fi. Um, <clears throat> so was it good sci-fi or bad sci-fi, Ben? You skipped Mark. Did I? All right. Um, it Do I, was... I mean, I don't have to start at a certain point. I thought you always start <laughs> to your left. Um, I usually do, but you kind of just ended with talking about sci-fi, so I thought I'd start with you. I, I respect you, 
averse overlord. Um, okay, uh, man, this is a tough one. No, I'm kidding. It's fantastic sci-fi. It's magnanimous. Uh, it's you know, this is where this is what we talk about when we talk about sci-fi. Uh, if you are a sci-fi fan and you're not watching the show, I don't know what you're doing. You're sleeping on it. It's you know, this decade's Battlestar Galactica, and you need to watch this show. Especially this season, now more than ever. Get on it. All five seasons on Amazon Prime right now. Go have fun. Fantastic sci-fi. Magnanimous. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Mark. Yeah, fantastic sci-fi. Basically, I find myself recommending it to people. Anytime I'm talking to someone who is into sci-fi and they're looking for more modern sci-fi, this is you know the first place I point them. And I think the season has put itself above and beyond anything they've done already, which is saying something. All right. Very good. Bill. Uh, yeah, this is fantastic. It's benchmark sci-fi. I mean, I think it's, I mean, Battlestar Galactica was cool, but I, I mean, The Expanse has just set the bar in terms of television uh, sci-fi. Sci-fi television is that, like... It's just fantastic, and there's there's so many elements and reasons to love it. Like you said, there uh, the extra sci-fi, the realist sci-fi, and the character work, and the fact that they have such a gigantic scope, yet they can get into these little, you know, you can get into the little nitty gritty of how a father treats his son. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fan- that's amazing, and so yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's it's just fantastic. So good stuff. Yeah, yeah, Bill, I, I think you. Well, you all are very correct. Uh, this is great sci-fi because on one hand, we're getting the super, first off, very accurate science. I mean, they, you know, it's not always the most accurate, but they go above and beyond than most TV shows or movies do with trying to sh- portray what a realistic future would look like. But uh, above that, um, they're definitely taking not only the evils of human society and transporting it to the stars and telling it in that vantage point because when you're removed from it you can kind of understand it a little bit more um so that's why i've always preached about sci-fi but above that like bill said um just simple family dynamics i mean we can relate with uh philip in terms of not always but like with the relationship with uh a father figure or just someone above you that you love and respect if you're not getting appreciated from you know stuff like that um but I, i love the whole like i guess political science aspect of it all um the societal aspect of, you know, dealing with, you know, you have a minority that is the belters and they're being discriminated against and the various viewpoints on how they need to fix that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it blows my mind. And I, I love how far this show has come in terms of being accessible and people watching it. Um, it's come a long way because it almost got canceled so many times. Uh, but it's still not enough. Not enough people know about it. And that's what, that blows my mind. And I hate yeah. that. But Well, I think with the, the trap that so much modern sci-fi falls into is they get the sci-fi gimmick and then that's the focus of everything. It all hinges on the gimmick. Whereas I feel like all the best sci-fi is in a sci-fi setting or has some, some sci-fi aspect to it. But it's all about, it's just a good story that is enhanced by the sci-fi or by, you know, whatever they have written to make that world interesting. And this, this story excels at that. 
it puts them in a time and place that has, you know, very relatable concepts, but they're elevated in a way that makes it seem extraordinary, but so relatable at the same time. And then, as Ben had put it, the sci-fi above the sci-fi is like just creeping in the background the whole time. It's almost something they like barely ever actually deal with. And it's so important and world-changing, but it's like they almost never even talk about it. Because they don't have time to. That's what I love about it. That the, the characters literally don't have time to dwell on these kind of things because mm-hmm. it's from one shitstorm to another. But, oh my god, we could talk about The Expanse for like five more hours. And honestly, we probably could have talked about it more in the time that we did have today, but... Um, we went off on wonderful tangents about audiobooks so, and uh and lord of the rings and lord of the rings <laughs> that was that was probably the uh the forbidden the forbidden grotto that we fell into there but at, at the end um, of the, at the end of the day i think uh like anything else we would have said is just like oh that scene was so cool oh that yeah, scene yeah, was so no, cool you, you know right. like we could, right. if most of the shit we would talk we're going to talk about at this point we 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 hit all the major themes this season oh Speaking of oh that shit is so cool, uh, the meteors hit me. The first oh, meteor at yeah. the end of episode okay. three hit me so hard, came out of nowhere, and I was just like, I I rewinded ten times. That's not an exaggeration. I had Word. to watch it because I was like, is this a dream sequence? Is this not real? Like, there's no way they just flung a fucking meteor into Earth. And then they have the audacity to do it two more times in episode four. Blew well, my mind. I don't know if you remember, but at the end of season four, they show them launching the rocks. I, and I talked about it, I, I remember, because I was like, wow, attacking an earth, the Earth with a meteor is, is a great idea. And then you <laughs> forgot about it completely. I, well, and I was just like, I was like, oh, they're, they're obviously going to stop it. Like, what, you know, like they have meteor protection. Stealth meteor fantastic idea i'm writing yeah, that down rocks, for when stealth i'm rocks. immortal in, in the future <sighs> all right well i guess that's all we are going to talk about with the expanse um for those of you who want to get ready for next week we are going to be talking about bliss ben what the fuck is bliss ask bill he asked me to put on the schedule bill what the fuck is bliss Miller, cut this out. It's an Amazon Prime movie. I watched the trailer. Clearly, he you didn't. You don't even know what Bliss he is. Said, he said, here, watch this trailer. It's sci-fi. We got to cover it. I watched it. Oh, it's the Owen Wilson thing. Okay. It's Owen Wilson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sci-fi movie on Amazon Prime uh, where Owen Wilson is apparently in a simulation and mm-hmm. Selma Hayek pulls him out. It's the whole thing where it's like he is in like a perfect simulation so that when he is pulled out into like the horrible world like he appreciates it more um oh okay so the, okay or right, like cool. maybe yeah, it, maybe right. it's an awful simulation it's something like it that, looks but... it it looks like it's gonna be an interesting episode so yeah yeah it's, we're prob- <laughs> yeah so all right so for it's... next week watch bliss on amazon prime and uh yeah until next time <laughs>